Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, September 1st. What the what? Uh, 2020. I think it's still 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am arts and culture writer Alicia Ramirez. Alicia, nice to talk to you. I haven't, uh, we haven't done a show together in a few weeks. So in honor of that, I am starting off the show with a very huge, exciting news for some people. Oh, cool. Tell me. <laughs> it was announced yesterday that uh, a number of Broadway producers have teamed up to launch the Broadway Wine Club, which is a new home delivery wine subscription that supports Broadway artists and acclaimed boutique wineries, making first shipments beginning in October. And they will start with a virtual wine tasting with Kate Rockwell, who is um, very passionate about wine. She has a, a special Instagram for her wine-lovingness. Yes, Broadway wino. And she's also a sommelier. Is she really? I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, so Elisa, I, well, first off, I don't know that I've ever, I don't even know if you are of legal drinking age. I assume you are, but I don't know that for sure. And I would never ask somebody their age on air. But assuming you are no, of... I, I am. I'm 27. Okay. So you are of legal drinking age. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I am <laughs> a, uh, a very well-known uh, teetotaler. So this means absolutely nothing to me. But you seem very excited about the Broadway Wine Club. <laughs> I am. I, I find it so exciting because um, Arvind Ethan David um, is also one of the producers of one of my favorite shows of the 2020 season, Jagged Little Pill. And he's becoming one of the most vital voices on Broadway when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And he's been doing so much this quarantine. The You Live, You Learn special with Alanis Morissette. Um, the While We Breathe benefit for the NAACP, and now wine service. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I'm not sure. I, I can't tell which one you think was the most important out of those three, but I'm not going to make you say on. <laughs> I'm not going to make you pick, but it sounds like you are uh, you are looking forward to some of these wines, perhaps. Yeah, I am. I mean, any any way I can support the Broadway, Broadway community, why not? <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Um, all right, uh, let's get into the news. Of course, you can always hear all of Broadway Radio's episodes first on patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. But to the news, Alicia, because we got a pair of pretty big stories coming out of the New York not-for-profit theater world on Monday, starting first with the announcement that acclaimed and award-winning director Liliana Blaine Cruz has been named a resident director by Lincoln Center Theater, which is a, is a full-time position which is considered part of the artistic leadership staff. She will direct at least one show for LCT per season, either in the Vivian Beaumont Broadway space or the Mitzi E. Newhouse off-Broadway space. Additionally, she will work with fellow resident director Bartlett Shear and producing artistic director Andre Bishop on developing and selecting the company's programming annually. Now, Blaine Cruz is one of the most in-demand directors and has been over the past handful of seasons, helming such productions as Pipeline, The House That Will Not Stand, Fabulation or the Reeducation of Undyne, Mary's Sea Cold, mm -hmm. and Anatomy of a Suicide. And those are literally just in the span of the past two and a half years. And, mm -hmm. and Alicia, with a track record like that, there are very few people as deserving of this type of commitment from a company like Lincoln Center as much as she is. And I'm excited to see what she does with the opportunity both off and on Broadway in a, in a world in which artists work so freelance. I imagine that the having the security of knowing you have an artistic home has to be 
really exciting for uh, for a director who, despite her successes, is still fairly early in her career. Yeah, for sure. I I can only hope this means we're getting a Liliana Blaine Cruz musical. Uh, well, I saw Deep and uh, Deep Tran and Casey Mink talk about that, like on Broadway, not just. I mean, the off Broadway stuff is great, but. We need to have her doing something on Broadway. She's worked on Broadway before as an assistant director, but she has not mm-hmm. had a Broadway credit as uh, the actual director of a show. So that is definitely something that should and I assume will happen fairly soon with uh, Lincoln Center Theater. Yeah, for sure. And I'm always happy to be in company with Casey and Dave. Yeah, th- those are two people that are uh, very good to have on uh Uh, have things in common with. but Mm -hmm. All right, so in similar news, yesterday, Second Stage announced that longtime Arena Stage Managing Director, and I I looked up how to say her first name, and I don't know if I got it right. Uh, I'm going to go with Katie, maybe because it's simpler, and my sister's name is Katie, but Katie Kamara, as the company's new Executive Director, she will join Second Stage part-time, beginning on September 14th, and then will take over full-time on January 4th. She replaces interim executive director Andrew Hammingson, who has filled the role since the departure of Casey Wrights in 2019. Kamara helped lead Washington, D.C.'s arena stage for 19 years, and it was always a great theater, but it has turned it into one of the most important regional theaters in the country, and mm-hmm. she should have a phenomenal impact on second stage as well. And uh, it's interesting, Alicia, that we got both of these announcements, I mean, I think within like an hour, hour and a half, two hours of each other. Oh, yeah, I saw. With two very important roles being filled by women of color. And I think that if this means that we are starting to see some of these organizations put their literal money where their mouth is in terms of diversity, I think that this is this is a good day for theater in general. Yes, it is not only a good day, but a good start. And this comes to show, Matt, that putting pressure like we see you white American theater with their 29 pages of demands and the Broadway Advocacy Coalition and Black Theater United have put in works. And I have noticed that most of these welcomed announcements come from nonprofit theaters. And Mm -hmm. we know that the Broadway League is doing something to address the lack of diversity and racial representation and leadership But we still don't have a comprehensive list of steps they're taking or how far along they are in the process. And, you know, it's interesting in my Tell Me More interview with Ron Simons last week, he talked about this very thing, talked about how the not-for-profit companies are very much leading the way in this. And he, as a black actor turned producer um, feels very good about where the not-for-profit companies in New York are less so with the Broadway league. And, you know, I think part of that, not to defend the Broadway league, because anybody who listens to the show knows that I have nothing but general disdain for the Broadway league, but it is harder for them because while they are an organization, it's not a cohesive structure like a not-for-profit company is. These are all independent producers and, you know, company managers and stuff. So while, they can put plans together and then they should, and they should do things to, you know, increase and support diversity. It's not as easy as making a hire like a company would be. So I understand why it is harder for them, but like what you talked about with, um, we see you white American theater. They've talked about just the basic 
lack of transparency and communication on this matter from the Broadway League. And that is just for me, another indication that this is just par for the course with the Broadway League. They do not share information. They do not communicate well to their stakeholders, be that members. I have friends who are members of the Broadway League, and it's tough getting information out of them. But more importantly, to the community at large, fans, you know, actors, uh, all of those people who don't warrant membership into the Broadway League. And mm-hmm. it's frustrating because while I understand these are all a bunch of independent, you know, business owners for the most part that are part of this organization – they're still the power brokers in you know the Broadway community. And it's really disheartening when we see so many other organizations trying to impact and make change. And they are just pretty much, you know, turning their back on the entire process. Yes. And now that you mentioned that, I I think of the people who know very little about Broadway. That that works for me as somebody who knows a lot about the industry, but somebody who just thinks of Broadway as the pinnacle yeah. of theater mm-hmm. that they don't receive information. And it just makes it really difficult to understand. And somebody who, who's not as well-versed in the industry is like, why, why are they not responding? Exactly. Isn't Broadway supposed to be more inclusive than Hollywood? What what's happening? Nothing. Nothing is happening, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, not to go off too far on a tangent, but next to theater, my other love is college sports and specifically college football. And one of the things with my alma mater and my former employer, which was the Big Ten Conference, they have been shooting themselves Mm -hmm. in the foot over the cancellation of the fall football season because of their lack of communication. And they are not dissimilar from the Broadway League. They are an, a not-for-profit organization that is made up of member institutions. The The Big Ten is just a collective organization for all of the universities in the conference, and they are the ones, the university presidents are the ones who make decisions, but the, the Big Ten has been putting itself basically in the line of fire because they just aren't communicating with the public at large in a very difficult situation. And while Canceling college football in the middle of a pandemic is not the same thing as trying to erase decades and centuries of racism in American theater. It, it The handling of it has been inept on both sides, and it's frustrating to see organizations that I want to champion and I want to support suck so much at doing their job. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Matt. <laughs> All right, so let's get on to a couple little bit of new, uh, little bits of news here, Alicia. First up, yesterday, Ryan Murphy announced that his filmed version of the musical The Prom will arrive on Netflix on or around Christmas of this year. From what I understand, the original plan was actually to release it earlier in the fall, but with COVID slowing everything down, they had to do a couple days of shooting, either I think maybe early August or late July. I can't remember when that was. Um, we talked about it when it happened. I think uh, it was late July, was one it? of my very first episodes. Okay, yeah, yeah, because they were the f- they were literally like one of the first productions to start shooting again in Los Angeles. Um, of course, the film is star-studded with Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, James Corden, Kerry Washington, Keegan-Michael Key, Andrew Reynolds, Ariana DeBose, Kevin Chamberlain, and Joe Ellen Pellman. Uh, and in your, one of your first episodes, I think we actually talked about whether you were going to stick around or not, whether you liked the prom or not, and you passed that test. So 
I don't want to hear. I'm still any... here. Yeah, you're still here. Well, no backtracking on that prom love. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of things that I'm interested to see how they translate, yesterday, Open Jar Studios announced that they would be hosting the next three socially distanced cabarets in their Broadway Relief Project series. This will be coming up this weekend. The series features audience members seated over 20 feet from the performers, and there are plexiglass panels between each seat. Oh, wow. I've seen some pictures uh, of this online. I think um, Lauren Molina of the Skivvies and Off-Broadway and Off-Broadway shows posted a picture of it. Very interesting. But um, on Friday, Teal Wicks will perform and portions of her proceeds will go to the charity One Tree Planet. Then on Saturday, Tony winner Kate Baldwin will perform with proceeds benefiting Active Minds. And then on Sunday, Brandon Victor Dixon, Tony, Emmy, and Grammy nominee will perform benefiting hashtag We Are Foundation. Now, now there are only 48 seats available. They are socially distanced and they range from $35 to $90 and we will have a link in the show notes. Now, uh, Elise you, like me, mm-hmm. don't go outside the house very much. I have not been to a show or a movie or anything uh, since this all happened. But how do you... Yeah, f- my last show was Jagged Little Pill. There you go. You have already declared your love for that show. We'll argue about that later. But yeah, with things like this, with all of these precautions in place, the, the distance between the performers, the plexiglass, the limited seating... Like, is that something that is making you a little bit more interested in exploring what type of quote unquote safer shows are out there? Sure. Why not? I'm just thinking about all the steps I have to take to leave, leave my apartment, um, get to the theater, wait to go inside. It's it's not just seeing the performance Mm -hmm. for me. It's just a lot of factors that we have to consider. And while that seems all right to me it's just I'm, I'm not ready to go yet yeah if you could transport me like in directly into the seat like i might be okay but it's the waiting in line potentially like passing people in the bathroom it's like i mean i go to the grocery store to get stuff and there are people there and i have to wait in line there but it's just like well i don't want to take the risk especially since i have asthma so my you know my lungs are already semi-compromised i don't want to put myself in more danger than i have to no, it's just it's just too much. I'll I'll find another way to support them. Yeah, there's still tons of stuff happening online, which I watch as much as humanly possible. And actually, I often pay for things that I end up can't watching, so I'm supporting them whether I get to enjoy it or not. Yeah, me too. All right, so let's get into the last two little bits of news before we have recommendations. Yesterday, it was announced that a new documentary entitled Defying Gravity, colon, From Godspell to Wicked, comma, A Musical Journey, will be released focusing on the career of legendary composer Stephen Schwartz. The film, directed by John Scheinfeld, will be released in early 2021. And finally, our good friend Jose Solis announced yesterday that he had been named the Fall 2020 Floria Lasky Visiting Artist at Hunter College's theater department, and that he will be hosting conversations with BIPOC theater theater makers, and that his first will be with Head Over Heels star Peppermint coming up on September 23rd. First, we will have all the details on how you can join the conversation in the show notes, but more importantly, congratulations to Jose on an honor well, well deserved. I know he's been trying to refocus a lot of what he does professionally during this quarantine mm-hmm. and very, very happy for him to be having some of these really fantastic opportunities coming in his career. Yeah, for sure. And this makes me so happy because Jose is not only a mentor, but he's also a friend. And 
not much in Head Over Heels strives to be conventional, and the same same applies to Jose and to Peppermint. So this conversation is going to be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I still uh, need to get my uh, tarot card reading done by Jose. We were supposed to do it a long time ago, and we never did. So I'm still, uh, I, I got to get that scheduled with him. Yeah, and also something worth adding is that this event is free and open to the yes. public, which is major mm-hmm. for any institution that wants to make theater more accessible, especially for people of color. And I, I may be biased, but he's working tirelessly to make sure theater is available to everybody. And apart from the work from Token Theater Friends, he's hosting workshops for aspi- aspiring theater critics. So Jose doesn't let negativity affect his no. drive. Nope, he is the best and a regular here or frequent guest here on uh, Broadway Radio as well. All right, let's get through some real quick recommendations here. Um, The first one is a clip from a recent uh, Stars in the House, and it features uh, performer, actress, and director Shelley Williams just for like two minutes talking about the current revival of West Side Story. Now, longtime listeners know, and Alicia, you might not have even ever heard us talk about this. Ashley and I have both been very outspoken about our dislike for all things um, about this production. Mm -hmm. Neither of us have seen it. We both refuse to see it for reasons that we've discussed ad nauseum. I don't want to either. Yeah. So we we haven't seen it and that's by choice. Um, But Shelley Williams articulates why it is problematic beyond the accusations of Amar Ramasar's um, sexual misconduct and why the decisions that Evo Van Hove made in terms of the staging and the casting and the things that were cut um, are so problematic. And uh, Alicia, I don't think you've seen this clip yet, but as a native Puerto Rican, do you have any thoughts you want to share about your issues with West Side Story or should we save that for another day? Um, I, I agree that there are lots of harmful stereotypes portrayed in West Side Story and I don't want to see the current revival. However, I want to see Ariana DeVos in West Side Story. In the film. Yes. In hopefully December of this year because she is an Afro-Latina actress and Afro-Latinos don't get a lot of representation on film. Especially a film of that magnitude with Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Yeah, and she's really knocking it out of the park uh, with two major movie musicals that are now slated to come out within a week of each mm-hmm. other. So good for her. We oh, love definitely. her. We are big fans. My, uh, I've loved her since seeing the out-of-town tryout for Bring It On the Musical in Atlanta. My longtime uh, Some Like a Pop co-host Jennifer McHugh is a longtime family friend of Ariana DeBose's. Their mothers are best friends. So uh, we oh, have wow. lots, lots of affection for Ari here in the Broadway radio world. All right, real quick, two more recommendations. The first, Billy Porter released a new single. It is what is called a the JLG remix. I'm guessing that's the, uh, I don't know, DJ? I don't know anything about popular music. So it is a remix of the 1960s anti-war anthem for what it's worth uh, by uh, Buffalo Springfield, I believe. So check that out. Anything Billy Porter is amazing. And then finally, Ashley and I talked about the passing of Chadwick Boseman and his connections to theater on yesterday's show. And 
because he couldn't do it in time for us to mention it, uh, Tony-winning director Kenny Leon shared rehearsal footage from the workshop development process of the Tupac Shakur musical Holler If You Hear Me, which I did not realize Chadwick Boseman actually started. And so we see um, rehearsal footage with him and Chris Jackson. Um, yeah. Chadwick actually opted to go do the James Brown biopic instead of this, which from a career perspective was probably a really good move. Um, but yeah. Yeah, really yeah. cool to see him do this and a completely different way to see him flex his artistic muscles and talents than anything we got to see on screen. Oh, for sure. And if, if I may add, this is just a really important reminder to celebrate black joy and the joy also um, Chadwick Boseman brought to so many, especially kids. Cause you think about mm -hmm. how are you going to tell kids that, their favorite superhero just just passed away. And it's just a reminder to celebrate those little things and just the immense talent and everything he had to offer. Absolutely. Now, before we go, Alicia, I know you had a recommendation that you wanted to share as well. Yes, this is tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Raul Esparza will be on the Producers Perspective Live with producer Ken Davenport. We love all things Raul Esparza here. Ken Davenport, that's another story. Um, we, you'll, you'll realize, Alicia, we, we, there's a lot of people that we uh, kind of look side-eye at here, but you'll pick those up and you don't, okay. have to feel, you don't have to feel the same way. I have very mixed feelings about Ken Davenport, but uh, that's another story for another time. But Yeah, but for what it's worth, I... I'm recommending it because of Raul. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we completely support anything with him uh, involved. But uh, <laughs> you'll have to report back on how Ken does. But anyway, that is all that we have for today. Uh, thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PWW. Matt, Alicia, where can people find you? People can find me at A. Ramirez Gar on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful Tuesday, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow.